I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common go head-to-head to see which one does it better. And welcome to part two of this week's Clash. So... On Monday, we went to space with Gerard Butler in Geostorm. And today, space is coming to him in the form of an extinction-level comet. Thankfully, Butler and his family get special wristbands like you would at a festival so they can survive in the VIP area, but only if his wife stops losing stuff and telling everyone how ill the kid is. From 2021, it's Greenland. We now are getting word that the fragment has hit Central Florida. Oh, my God. Wait, are some more pieces gonna hit? Come on, let's go. But the sky's on fire. Two days. They got it all wrong. There's a ton of fragments. Planet killers. Space agencies are predicting an extinction level event. We're gonna be together, all right? Get up. We're just trying to get to safety. They've been tracking the military flights to bunkers in Greenland. It's their only chance. We'll have a winner at the end of this show, but which film will it be? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken. Hello, Clash Potters. If you are hearing this broadcast, seek shelter immediately. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. I'm Chris Tilly. If you haven't subscribed to us, please do on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. If you can, do leave us a rating and review. It does genuinely mean a whole load to us. Uh, And An example review is going to be given by my good friend Christopher right now. This comes from Pognose, who says, As a movie fan, this podcast offers a refreshing insight to some of my favourite films, whilst educating me on ones I wouldn't have otherwise watched. It's well-researched, often with plenty of inside knowledge the hosts have garnered over the years of working in the film industry. And as a gravy fan, it's nice to see the North being represented strongly too. <laughs> oh, I just do. I'm just doing my bit. I just do what I can. So I like that because there was a bit of substance in that review, and it ended with a gag. Perfect, perfect review. Five stars. 
Just to be clear, we are reviewing reviews now on the yeah, show. Why that's, not? That's... <laughs> why not? <laughs> okay, just, just so I know what's going on. Uh, this is part two of Geostorm versus Greenland. Uh, these were Victoria's choices. Victoria, uh, oh, they were my choices, actually. What am I saying? I'm trying to pass off Geostorm onto you. Uh, these, were, these, <laughs> these were my choices because I'm a sick individual. Uh, now, Chris, Geostorm through Geostorm on Monday, uh, which means today Victoria is going to take us on a journey to Greenland. Victoria, take us on a journey. John Garrity's marriage is falling apart. Not to worry, there's loads of fireballs about to plunge from the sky, killing everyone with an extinction-level event. So John and his family are off to find safety and each other, literally and metaphorically, as they are selected for rescue, then denied, then try to bust into the top-secret shelter anyway. On their journey, they meet people who are either the worst of humanity and will kidnap your child or stave your head in with a hammer or are absolutely amazing and give you life-saving information just because they're nice and endanger their own survival so you can haul your big self on the last plane to Greenland at the 89th minute. The military are also either murderously bureaucratic about long-term medical conditions, coldly sentencing a young boy to death for having diabetes, or saintly rescuers allowing dozens of illegal refugees into a top-secret shelter just because they managed to arrive more or less on time. Swerving the ending we all thought was coming, Greenland ends on a happy note, which quite frankly, although the duller option was something this viewer needed after two hours of stress-induced reflux and crying my eyes out, Nathan! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, this film! <laughs> Did you cry? Did you really cry? I saw I saw a yeah. WhatsApp from you. You seemed anxious in the WhatsApp. Yeah, I mean, to, to contextualise it, the Friday night before I watched this, I drank, I try not to drink in the week, but on the Friday night, I drank a full bottle of Graham Norton's Prosecco, <laughs> which I found in, this is, Oh, I can't believe I'm going to say this. Well, he left it at your house. <laughs> no, he makes Prosecco and is currently clogging up the reduced section of my local Sainsbury's. <laughs> it so, must be. I've not, I'm a, I love a Prosecco. I've not seen... They don't stop that in Highgate anywhere, I'm telling you right now. I've never seen Graham Norton's Prosecco anywhere. Imagine my surprise, passing the reduced aisle, having a ferret around as you do. It's like fucking bingo. There's some booze in there. <laughs> and it's Graham Norton's for a second. <laughs> so I'll have me some of that and then drank a full bottle of it on Friday and then fell into the kitchen cupboard because I haven't been drinking all week and I was like, I'm pissed. Tell you what I'll do. I'll have two Manhattans. Great idea. So on Saturday, <laughs> I was so anxious and frazzled. And when I watched this, I wasn't just, you know, when you cry and it's more like a sort of your eyes are leaking and you're like, oh, I'm just crying. But you know, when you are like, oh, you're sobbing, like trembling. Down your cheeks, red raw. Yeah, but it's more like the racking sort of the, 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 you can't even get your breath. I couldn't even breathe. It was so, Mm. so upsetting. Oh, oh my God. God! I bet that moment that you passed the uh, the reduced uh, section and said, uh, and I quote, "Bingo! I'll have me some of that." Seemed like a long time ago. Do you become more northern when you pass a reduced section? I think, yeah. I mean, even just being within its vicinity is, is a marker of something. Not everyone's Bingo. in the reduced. <laughs> I'll have me some of that. <laughs> that fancy Graham Norton from Telly. He's got a prosecco. I don't know what. He's putting in it because the hangover was brutal but anyway is uh, his face on it 
No, it's not, which tells uh, you a lot, doesn't it? I don't understand it, but it's very much like it's very his brand. He's like, hey, girls, are you having a night mm, in? Do you want some bubbles? <laughs> which can, is kind of Can I ask, did it, did it actually say Graham Norton anywhere on the bottle or did someone yeah. in the shop go, uh, this is our champagne. Uh, it's Graham Norton's champagne. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll send you a picture of it. It's, it's, um, it's a very clever logo, actually, uh, with the G in the N. Um, anyway. So I think it's clear I hadn't seen this film before, but what about you too, Alex? Um, Well, it's only come out like about two weeks ago. So, um, yeah, I'd seen it once before because I watched it uh, and I got very, very anxious. And then I thought, well, it's just Deep Impact, really, but it's better. And knowing, as I said on Monday, that you two have some strange love affair with Deep Impact, thinking it's better (laughs) than Armageddon, as evidence on this very podcast, I thought, well, why don't we change that and find a comic movie that we can all agree is better than Deep Impact? (laughs) So I watched it Fine. again for the pod and um, I got very anxious. Somehow I got more anxious the second time, possibly because I had less wine in me the second time. Because <laughs> I, I, unlike you, the wine dulls my emotions. So when I when I watched it on wine, on wine, <laughs> when I watched it on wine, um, I, uh, I I didn't uh, it didn't it didn't touch the sides really. It was like I was like, boring kid, get out, get out the car, die. Um, <laughs> Uh, but this time I was like, I can't believe, I thought I was a monster uh, from the, I, I thought the version of me that watched it on wine was a monster. <laughs> Turns out you're great. <laughs> yeah. I realised at the same time, I realised that was human and I had a heart <laughs> and the, the ability to feel. For you, thank God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I know you've been what waiting. About you? Yeah, sorry, I know. <laughs> uh, well, I just, I wasn't planning to watch it, but then I kept seeing people on social media saying, this Gerard Butler disaster movie that isn't Geostorm is actually quite good. <laughs> mm. It's not bad. You should check it out. And so I did. And I was about half an hour in when my missus came home and I was feeling really sick with anxiety and stress. Mm. And so I said, oh, good. I'm going to switch it off now. And she got quite interested in it. And she said, no, carry on. Let's watch a bit more. And so we watched it together. And yeah, I mean, I was all over the place. This film really, really got to me. So um, I, at the end, I was pleased I would never have to watch that stressful film again. And then Alex spoiled the whole thing by <laughs> suggesting it for this podcast. And now I've watched it twice yeah. in a month. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? I think um, I think the fact that everyone's sort of going, hey, this movie's actually pretty good. This is a good movie. Hey, tell it, let's tell your friends about it. This is a good movie. Greenland's a good movie. It just shows how much in lockdown our standards have slipped. <laughs> Yeah. We just like we, we have lowered the bar for what good entertainment is since yeah. uh, since this whole situation. Because a good movie, it is not. This is the thing. If I'd have watched these two the other way around, and Geostorm Geo had watched that first, I would be like, Greenland, where is your Oscar? Like it would have been so <laughs> by comparison. I think the Mark Kermode review did set a lot of expectations for me, but pitched it so perfectly because you go into it expecting it to be better than it should be, but not expecting it to be Oscar worthy. So you just have a really good time, I think. Um, I mean, not a good time. You know what I mean? It's obviously horrendous. I like my stomach hurt. I actually hurt. I don't even think I've got ulcers, but I yeah, I need some Gaviscon. Awful. Yeah. Did you did you say you had acid reflux earlier yeah, when you were watching yeah, it? Did. Jesus. I mean, when that's, I that's re- yeah, a physiological reaction to a bad film. Is it's new <laughs> new to me? I, I sort of get angry, but I've never sort of had uh, heartburn. Uh, it's either that or it was the Graham Norton Prosecco like mm. repeating on me a bit, but mm. we we won't know. We just don't yeah. know. <laughs> but then you have a physiological reaction to a lot of things, don't don't you? Go entirely red around the neck if you get quite stressed or angry one of the two like a kind of red hulk 
Yeah, you, you know I do. Yeah, I do. Like to the top of my foot, like roots of my hair down to like my waist, just a raspberry. Mm. <laughs> it's really, it's a tell. I don't like it. It's annoying. I've got better with I it in terms wait. of like. <laughs> I can't wait for it. No, I'm just, I, I just think if there was ever a great advert for any live shows we do in the future, <laughs> there, that's it right there. <laughs> it's like, we'll, we'll do the podcast and then we'll make you go red. <laughs> It's true. I don't like it for the because I've got better in myself with it over the years of like, okay, I'm just I am this colour, so deal with it, other people. But it gives away my state of feeling, and that's the thing I don't like about it. So if I'm pretending not to be mad, I so obviously am mad. <laughs> or if I'm embarrassed, I'm so embarrassed. And I'm trying to be like a grown up and be like, mm-hmm, oh, that's a great point. And that's absolutely not affected me in one bit whatsoever. On a, on a completely different level, and this is nothing to do with what you just told me, I would really like it if we could play poker together for real money at some point <laughs> in the future. <laughs> just just throwing that out there, completely unrelated to what you've just said. Uh, deal. Okay, mm. now then, let's <laughs> that's talk it about... That's how it starts. That's, that's poker. Yep, you got the basics there. Deal. I think I, think I might win. Brilliant. Um, let's talk about the background too. Greenland. So it has been knocking around since 2018 and it was written by Chris Sparling of Buried. Have you seen Buried? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I liked it. Ryan, liked Ryan Reynolds it. in a coffin for the whole movie. Very good. Yeah, which I, I love the concept. and But I went into that thinking, oh, maybe it doesn't live up to it, but it is very good. I really liked it. Anyway, Chris Sparling, you'll be interested to know, Alex, says he wrote a different movie to Dim- Deep Impact or Armageddon in that it <laughs> operates more on a personal level than those two movies do. Now then, when you, Alex, told me that it had the, as a plot point, the idea of the, well, not the idea, the thing that the uh, that Nathan, the young son, is uh, is living with type 1 diabetes, mm. I felt the same as I think you felt. It's just like, oh, okay. Like, that's, it's good to see, but it's like, is that just going to be a sort of a, a bit of a hammy device where it's like, oh, we have to get this thing and we can't go on without it. So I wanted to do a bit more investigation into that. And it turns out, did you know that Chris Sparling's wife also lives with type 1 diabetes and she's the editor of an organization called children with diabetes and so i watched him interview sorry her interview him via zoom in different rooms of what i think is their own house about that process because he's bringing her lived experience to the character isn't that interesting did you know that uh, yeah as you know what and that is interesting and it sort of it makes me feel bad i think i was unnecessarily harsh when i said a good film this is not because it isn't a bad film and that's what i made it sound like and and hearing that and yeah i think that i just i, I just feel that there are so many tropes in this movie that i've seen before that I, you know without knowing that story the, the kid needing uh, medication, it yeah. just felt like, come on, really? Because there's so many of them. It's just another one in the mix that you go, you go and seen it before. Yeah, but it's really interesting. In this interview, he's a, the writer seems, he's a really open, seems really genuine. And he said that he didn't think from his experience and his wife's experience that a lot of people understand that children can have type 1 diabetes. He, The way he sees it is that when people hear diabetes, they think it's type 2, that it's, it's potentially reversible and it's something that affects and it doesn't require medication and it affects mostly adults. And so he wanted to tell that, you know, he just wanted to share that information which I thought I thought was fascinating because to me, a type one diabetes feels quite familiar. I don't know why it's. So it's, it, it's do you know what? I I absolutely agree with that because I did a little reading around it as well because I was like, well, what is the cause? And the, the fact that people don't really fully yet know what causes 
um, type 1 diabetes. Like, they can't say it is definitely this. There are so many different factors. It's kind of astonishing. Like, part of it is genetics, possibly, and then mm. there is an environmental factor, but they haven't sort of gone, it is xyz that definitely causes it which you know seems kind of crazy for uh, an illness that ev- you everyone knows about or at least sort of like thinks they know about mm. it also it also means you've got the the cliche with the needing the insulin the losing the insulin which we've seen before in other disaster movies but also you've got the scene where if the if the government could only take a handful of people to this uh place they're not going to take anyone with an ailment which is such a shocking moment which i haven't seen before in a film like this um, yeah. Your child, your child is not healthy enough to come. Therefore, you're not coming. Um, let's talk about Neil Blomkamp. So he was set to direct it, and he was going to direct Chris Evans in the lead. In February 2019, he leaves, and Chris Evans drops out shortly after. So I did what for me is quite a lot of digging. Like I went onto like the fourth page of Google to find out why, and I couldn't. And all I could find was a quote from Neil Blomkamp in an interview where someone said, why did you leave? And he just said, the problem is, unfortunately, there's some political stuff happening with it that I have to not be able to answer that question, which if you look at the sentence structure, <laughs> sort of says a lot. And, and so he's like, I can't tell you why. I don't. I want to, but I can't. So I was going to ask you, Chris, if you knew. No. Oh, really? Okay, that makes me feel good because I thought, thought I'm going to no. get shown up for like being lazy, but maybe it's just unknowable. <laughs> no, you'll film this week, so go for it. Oh, oh, <laughs> rude, he, he giveth and he taketh away. Wow. That's basically saying if it had been my movie, I'd have been on the dark web by now and I would know the answer to that question. <laughs> I would have texted Neil Blomkamp and he might not have responded. Oh, I'd, 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 have, I'd have hacked his voicemail and I could tell you exactly what had gone on. So then we get Rick Roman War attached, uh, director of Angel Has Fallen, starring Gerard Butler, and therefore Gerard Butler is now attached. Um, other casting stuff, Kate Mara was mentioned for um, John's wife, Alison, but then it goes to Marina Baccarin. I weirdly have this strange thing about her that everything, every time she's in something, I just think, I just think she is a touch of class. Like, I like her a lot. Mm. I can't put my finger on why, but I was really glad that she was. I like Kate Mara as well, but I was really glad she was in it. Um, mm. I think it's something about she look without being offensive. She looks like a TV actress, but super high quality TV actress. So she just straddles nicely, sort of like quality telly and theatrical release stuff for me. Anyway. I don't know what uh, that means, but... I don't need it, need it, need it. <laughs> but... Are, you just take, are you taking a leaf out of Chris's backhanded compliments book? Because I think... Oh, that, yeah, no, I don't mean to. <laughs> She's sort of like a TV actress done well. She's sort of yeah. like... <laughs> I think I still mean that. <laughs> no, no. Um, anyway, so uh, it was intended for theatrical release. It was going to be released in June because uh, it was all written and shot before uh, the COVID pandemic, even though it was shut down for a while in post. But everything gets pushed and pushed and pushed. And so eventually it goes to Amazon, which I did want to talk about a little bit um, because we've talked before about how we as people, we don't want the cinema to sort of morph into these really polar opposites, which is like tiny indie stuff versus massive four quadrant tentpole movies and nothing in the middle. And with the talent attached to this production, it feels like an actual sort of mid-range proper popcorn film that would make its money back, like job done, everyone's happy. And if it had had a theatrical release, it might have rebalanced things in the cinema as it was a little bit but it didn't. And so being on the telly, I think has helped the good reviews because it does it feel a bit beyond expectations from something that are we still, I mean, maybe this is just me, but are we still in a mindset where when a film goes 
in quote much straight to TV because of COVID. We think, oh, it's a TV movie rather than having um, the sort of the quality that you'd get from a theatrical release. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I think um, I think we're so starved of movies at the moment that I think the, the fact that this is on TV is uh, is great for it as a film. I think if this had got a cinema release, if the cinemas were open, this had got a cinema release, uh, it would it would have just disappeared. It might have made its money back, but it would not have made the um, <clears throat> impact uh, that uh, that it has <laughs> done uh, with people looking for something to watch at home right now, something that has a cinematic quality. But I just think some of the... I, I don't know. I, it's, it's difficult without ever seeing it on the big screen, but I do think some elements of it in terms of the scale would not hold up as well on the big screen uh, in terms of the effects and everything. And yet, yeah. ironically, it cost about a quarter of Geostorm, but the effects look better than the Geostorm effect. Yeah, that's kind of true. Um, I mean, can we save the Geostorm bashing until the end when we do the <laughs> verdict? Because, you know, as I did, I did a hook uh, for this episode at the end of the last episode, and I said, there's some, there's some big Geostorm revelations coming, but not yet. <laughs> All right, fine. Let's talk about the film. Oh, okay, so we meet John Garrity. Oh, what? I just, the, the, the producer of this film, um, Basil Iwanek, he's chosen to put on the poster, uh, the poster for this movie, and indeed the, the little thumbnail online says, uh, from the producer of the John Wick franchise, The Town, and Clash of the Titans, the 2010 Clash of the Titans. I just find that very strange. Like, he has also produced Sicario. <laughs> And yeah. um, <laughs> you use that, thing. I think. Oh yeah, Wind River, Wind River as well. He's produced Sicario Wind River. Why is it, this guy? I just think it's amazing that this producer they've gone. So we're going to put John Wick uh, and the town and either Sicario or Wind River. And he's gone. No, put Clash <laughs> of the Titans on there. People are like, uh huh. He just fucking loves Clash of the Titans. He Some loves his own do. movie so much. <laughs> no one does. He must know that by now. No one loves that movie. But anyway, carry on. Anyway, John Garrity, structural engineer, family man, because he's got a photo of his family on his phone. <laughs> That's how you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, I, I just wrote down, I reckon Geostorm would have taken seven pages of dialogue to establish what this movie <laughs> establishes yeah. in one image. Yep. Now, the comet, so there's a comet on its way, but this is why this film is not Deep Impact or Armageddon, because the comet is in the background. Uh, it's coming closer, but there's nothing to worry about. You know, it's on the telly. It's quite a light, sort of even like an entertainment piece, like look at this comet. And I really like that John Garrity is not the expert, because, and I look, you know, I love Deep Impact, and I have come to love Armageddon over the intervening period. Um, too late, too late for the show, though. Hmm. Too late for our friendship. But. I like. I love that John's not the expert. So Gerard Butler doesn't see the TV uh, news report about the comet, and he's like, "I can see the problem with with your projections. I'm the only one who knows the truth." He sees it, and he's like, "Oh, okay," because he's got something else going on in his family. So he's estranged, sort of, from Alison, his wife, and he sees Nathan, his son, occasionally. He's staying over at the moment, uh, but maybe she wants him back because cut two, she's only sleeping on one side of the bed mental um if you've kicked your husband out take all the bed it would be the yeah. first thing i did but that's me and the duvet you'd wrap yourself up like a little duvet sausage roll wouldn't you you'd love that <laughs> but um isn't that the interesting thing though because she's lying in bed and she's sort of clearly waiting for him but not waiting for him but the door is closed and he sees the door closed and he's like he's like oh guest room it is and he sounds a little bit pissy 
I, I think in that actually, moment, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't pull off what should be an acceptance. He should be yeah. like, obviously, the guest room. He's a bit like, ugh, really? Yeah, still, bitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're still pissed off. Uh, yeah. Fine. It's interesting. It's it's done very economically, but it's like this marriage is not actually dead yet, which is important because, you know, as as they start to sort of reconcile throughout the rest of the film, if it was completely dead, it would be such a huge arc that they'd have to go on and there might not be enough time. Um, now, with the comet, things start to build here. This is a, this is a section that I really liked, the sort of bureaucracy of... <laughs> a mass extinction event and also getting some people to safety. And I couldn't, John Garrity gets a phone call in the supermarket telling him an automated message telling him he's being selected. And I love that because there's also a little bit of cognitive dissonance as well because you've got Gerard Butler in a film and he gets a call from, is it like NSA or Homeland Security? And you can't help but think he's going to be like, hello, I'll fucking sort it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll save yeah. everyone. It's mm. so good that he's like, mm. okay, yeah, like got the message, great, okay, and then just tries to sort it out. You know, tries to sort out his escape like a quote marks normal person. Do you think that? Because um, uh, do you think that's a special alarm that like the government has that goes to people's phones? Like, because it's a really, I just hope it's not his ringtone. Like that, it's it's the ugliest sound where it's like meh. Meh, meh. <laughs> and I, I, for ages, I was like, "Well, they it could go to any kind of brand of phone, and therefore the tone has to be something that they know that brand can do, which they could never know. So they'll just use the tone that's on the existing phone that a person has, which means that is his fucking ringtone, which makes him a <laughs> mental person. Because who would have that? that? Of all yeah. the ringtones you could have, when you just get a call, it's eh, eh. <laughs> it makes me worried about Nathan's safety." Yeah, fair enough. It's a very, it's a quite stressful ringtone. Are um, those government alerts a bit more normal in America though than they are over here? I guess we've all had texts from the government now over here because of to do with COVID, but over there, I think it's a more frequent thing. They've not texted me. What's your text say? <laughs> are you I'm not in the bunker? Te- no. Oh, oh, I knew this would happen. Why have you two podcasters been selected ahead of me? <laughs> They're not letting anyone in who gets a rash when they get angry. <laughs> me and Chris and a few a few people, we, we can maybe get you in. If you just arrive, if you arrive just before they close the door, then they might yeah. just let you in. They might, they've actually might assist me in, actually. No questions I'm, asked. I'm used to getting messages on my phone, though. I, can my TV talk to me like it does in this film? That's what know. frightened me. Also, it's quite ineffective because Alison's in the shower. She's blow-drying her hair, so she doesn't hear it. And it's like, that's... Not, and woman. Then it, I know. And then the message disappears because she was doing her hair. And then therefore just might might miss her slot. She's all about a power play though. I was trying I watching it. You know the bit where he's sort of about to start up the grill for the barbecue oh, I knew that they piss you off. I knew no, this would piss you off. Really off. I thought was, I, li- I quite liked it. Because I was sort of like he's she's she sort of goes up to him and goes, uh, yo, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm doing the grill. And she's like, Yeah, we need some wine. And he's like, Really? Because I'm doing the grill. She's like, <laughs> Yeah but you're going to go get some wine, aren't you? And he's like, fine. And <laughs> it goes off to get some wine. That is such a power play. But you understand why she's doing it, because she wants him to be out when the guests arrive so that when he comes back, the guests are already there because they all know about his infidelity at this point. Like We don't, but they do. And so she comes back. He, he'll come back in having performed the task for her, like carrying the shopping, which lets all the guests know that he's sort of on his knees trying to win her back, which is why she does it at that point. Oh, I don't th- I think you're projecting. I've, I'm really like, not. I'm, because, like, she doesn't actually need the wine. And she sort of then... Because if you look in the back of the shop, there's a row of wine. 
bottles. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, it's really, really well done. Yeah, I just thought yeah. she wanted him to because he, you know, my I inferred that maybe he hadn't been pulling his weight in terms of just like domestic stuff, and she's like, "Prove to me that you're serious about this relationship by going and getting me wine." No, it's letting the guests know, letting the guests know that he is having to work to win her back, so she like regains some face in front of them. Good, good for you, Alison. Okay, good, good, I like that. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. she's yeah. I'm a big fan of Alison in this movie until she fucks everything up. <laughs> Before we get to that though, I, I I did ask Vicky and we got an answer as to what she would, what one personal item she would pack, as he's told here. What what would yours be, Alex? We've all been waiting. This is about the quiz again. We did, we did the quiz and everyone had a moan at me and I got deducted a point, which is bullshit. Um, but nevertheless... You can, you can have I'm, that point added back on if you finally answer the question. All right. I, I, I don't know. Uh, Simon, I'd probably take my dog. How's that? Yeah? Actually, is your dog, dog healthy? Is your dog healthy? Uh, he smokes, <laughs> but they can't be... You know, they can't not let, not let me smoke him dogs in. He's a smoking dog, yeah. He plays cards and smokes. There's a few paintings of him. You might have seen them. <laughs> Very funny. Um, so actually talking about the neighbours arriving and the friends. That, so I'm watching this film and I'm like, I get it, I get it. I like the little touches that sort of uh, go against expectation for me because of who Gerald Butler is and the autumn, you know, the bureaucracy stuff, get it. Now he gets the call again in front of his neighbours and it's a bit tense. And then I was like, I'm not sure I'm into this film because that needs to pay off. That's got to pay off. All they do is they're like, John, oh, I see you've got a call and why have you been selected and we haven't been selected? And I was like, pay this off. And it kind of doesn't and then they leave and then it just turns around and just smash me in the face with mm-hmm. pay off. And this script constantly was like, took me to one place where you know what I'm like and I'm shouting like, why would you do that? Why would you do that? And then the writer's like, because now we're going to do this and now I'm going to make you cry your eyes out. And this is where it started. So John and his family are leaving and they're, oh, their friend runs in front of the car and tries to make them take the little girl. Take <laughs> Ellie, take her, Fucking, take her. Yeah. Fucking Deb wandering around the street with Ellie in her arms. Get out of the way, oh Deb. Oh They're off God. to a bunker. Yeah, at least Deb wears her emotions on her arm. And she's Deb is in, in tears. First of all, where's Deb's husband in all of this? He's nowhere to be seen because he's embarrassed. He's embarrassed that she's making a scene on his little suburban street. You can tell when you meet him <laughs> earlier. He's a real, he's a prude like that. But Deb, it's like, we are fucked. We are all going to die. Little Ellie here. She's dead. She knows it. Bill, in his loud shirt, he's the moron because he sort of leans on the car window and goes, yeah, apparently it's an extinction level thing. Um, so, you know, wherever <laughs> you get, when you get where you're going, could you sort of give us a call? And Gerald Butler's like, if I survive, I will. And, <laughs> and then Bill wanders back to his wife and actually says the line, uh, He's going to call us. It's going to be fine. It's fucking not, Bill. What? what you're an idiot. Equally, equally yeah, I'd say that Gerard Butler has said, I'll call you when I, when I know where to go to be safe. He finds out where to go to be safe. He doesn't call him, does he? He no, could have he done that. Gerard uh, Butler is full of shit in this movie. He, uh, <laughs> he, no, he, he, later on, he steals, let's call it what it is, he doesn't borrow, he steals someone's car, leaves them a note going, if I survive, I'll bring it back. Uh, what, why, why not leave your number? or your address, <laughs> or some credit card details, something. Something so that it's not just about trust. Like, give them something to go on here. Uh, you're a dick for doing that. I mean, the the neighbour thing, I read that, which is why I loved it, as when... 
I know from my own experience, but also I think from human beings generally, when we're faced with crisis situations, we focus and fuss about little details as a way of coping. So, you know, and I think that's the neighbor's way of just saying, I'm going to be all right because I found this little detail. Oh no, John's going to ring. He's going to ring us. It's like, it doesn't make a difference to you if he rings you or not. You are so dead. But a human being's brain is like, can't deal with that. Obsess over a minor detail. I mean, I'm projecting massively, but I'm hugely like that. Or anyway. he might have been saying it. He might have been saying it to, to pacify his wife because he was exactly. aware that she was about to freak I out. I think. I think that's what it yeah, is. He's doing it true. to calm his family down and make them feel better. Yeah, I think mm. what's good. I want. I'll move on from this scene because there's lots more I want to talk about. But what's what's good is I thought it was very realistic the way that Alison is immediately like we should take her, and then okay, no, we won't, and then it looks like they're going to change their mind and go back and all of that. Rather, you know, it's a temptation in a script to make everyone be quite clear about what they're going to do and align with their character. But people sort of flip flop about what they're going to do quite a lot in this film, and I think that's realistic, and I really appreciated it. Yeah, Alison should not have done that because she she's like, oh, should we take her? And it's like, why say that when, like, you know exactly the same information as Gerard Butler does, which is that she cannot get in. So saying that is giving false hope to Deb, who's wailing in the street. It was a silly thing to say. She yeah. wants to take her because she's more compassionate. Yeah, she but can't, she can't, can't. But she still, yeah, but she knows she wants that to try, she can't. Though. She wants to try, Alex. But yeah. this is and this is a fascinating thing because when uh, logic is logic, like there is no way, like it's literally, it's as clear as it could be. Like you understand, she understands that there is no way they can get that little girl into the air force base. So her going, oh, but we should try, is a terrible thing to say out loud. Well, that's the thing, because when he says, when he lays it out, when John lays it out, if we do this, we will leave her at an airbase. And what is the point of that? And she'll be alone. And that I was like, oh, my God, like that would do it, because that's what makes it get through to his wife and made sense to me. It's like you, yeah. you'll abandon her when she needs her family. At, you know. open, open, open your ears, Nathan, as well. Alone at an Air Force base. What, what was that be like? <laughs> Pay attention, kid. Pay attention. <laughs> so then they're off to the Air Force base. And again, the script surprises. I'm like, why are the roles? clear oh no they're not because everybody knows if there's like some sort of panic everyone gets in their cars and tries to, in films and tries to leave and then that we get to the airbase quite quickly and the checkpoint and trying to get through that crowd i found the stress of that all unreal unbearable of like they are they are special they have been selected and it's like you're just not going to get through this crowd or this mob is going to turn on you because of course it is and then it they nearly, do get it looked, through. it looked nearly as stressful as trying to go through u.s customs didn't it <laughs> i don't know <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, you know, you know my, uh, you know my problem. Have you have you ever been to America, Victoria? I have, but my memory of getting through customs is it was quite easy. No. Oh, no, I'll tell you what. The only the only hiccup is at the time in my passport, I'd been to Russia and I had a big visa stamp thing in my passport, and they wanted to ask me loads of questions about that, and I was so bemused. It's like I can't believe we're having this conversation. I'm not a spy from Russia. <laughs> I think. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. It's it, I don't know. It's I, I always uh, I'm, I'm with Chris. It's it's a nightmare, and you've never you've never like had to be so nice to someone you don't know who's actively being nasty to you. It's a very strange <laughs> dynamic. Like they they're, they're like they're they're really horrible to you. But if you sort of go, what are you doing? Why are you being such a dick? You're not coming into the country. It's uh, it's a terrifying terrifying like five minutes you have to spend with the border force there. <laughs> The only time I could think of when I've had to be nice to someone who was actively being horrible to me was when I interviewed Kevin Spacey. 
<laughs> yeah i once um i was once flying into um i was once working uh, in america i i can't remember the, the the it was like i was working for a uk tv company but I, it was doing it in america but i had the visa but i didn't have a ticket out of there um because it was the ticket was still at the film studio. Anyway, I, I ended up having to spend about eight hours in the little office in American Customs being grilled about everything, which was uh, just more boring than anything else. <laughs> well, you've got nothing to hide, have you? You're fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, silence. Um, so, right. So Nathan at this point has dropped his insulin. That is obviously very irritating. John yes, leave goes the back kid. to the co- I'm yeah. sorry. Leave the kid <laughs> at this point. If he's dropped his insulin... <laughs> It's his own bloody fault. I'm done. I would be done with that kid at that point. You'd be mm. done with your son at that point. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, Chris has a uh, Chris has a fair point. Like maybe not entirely fair here, but there there is there's a conversation to be had now. When they say <laughs> uh, your kid can't come in because he's he's diabetic, when mm. when Alison shoots her mouth off, is it's like oh yeah he's diabetic, and they're like ooh uh, well then he can't go, and she's like. Oh, I didn't mean that. I meant he's not diabetic. It's what I tell everyone because I'm so <laughs> proud of his not diabetes. Uh, but, like, what is this rule about here? I saw it more as an, a very cold-hearted, bureaucratic bottom-line issue in that they wanted to save as many people as they could and so they weren't prepared to spend money on medicine, insulin, that they thought they when they don't have to, basically. Are they saying when they say it should have been flagged that the mm. kid was ill yes. at some point? Yes, is that saying that your entire family would never have been asked to come in this bunker if we'd yes. known your kid yeah. was ill? Yes, yeah. right. So here's my problem. My problem is that if I had a sick kid, I'd still want the opportunity to decide. <laughs> you, uh, you're a monster. <laughs> no, but this is why I think it's only fair to you ask. You still ask me, and then I go. I'm going to have to say no because of my kid or more likely fuck the kid where's yeah. the bunker my kid my kid gets on really well with his granddad <laughs> his, his granddad wants to stay here his best mate Ellie can't get in either he can stay with her yeah yeah it's simple. unbelievable it's a sickening actually <laughs> no not really it's fine I get it I think um, maybe they just don't have the time to watch you make a decision and they'll just go to another structural engineer mm-hmm. I think might be it as the only person here really qualified to answer this question, Victoria, uh, mm. what would you do? Would you? Are you uh, would being you... serious? Are you even what? asking me? Would well, I go Victoria, to Victoria? <laughs> Victoria, what if they said that one of your kids couldn't come, but the rest <laughs> could? Oh yeah, that's good. That's so good. Do you Chris, the, yeah. Would you? Would you want them all to die with mm. you? Outside the bunker, or would you want to be inside the bunker with the ones that are allowed to live? With two of them, and one has to stay outside. But one of the brothers is missing, (laughs) and how would I explain that to them? Do you think? Say, well, you know, he'd he'd had a bad day with me. So you'd rather they'd all die? What you're saying is you'd rather everyone dies? I would rather we were all together. Yeah, as selfish as that sounds. I know, I know. God, wow! You'd you'd rob two of your sons of a future. To, because of one, one of them, I had a gammy toenail and wasn't allowed in. That's <laughs> it is good. horrendous, actually. Think I never even of all the ways I've tortured myself with this film, 
over the past week, that combination of events hadn't occurred to me. Excellent. I'm which glad is I good, isn't help. it? Yeah. That <laughs> makes me feel better about myself. I wasn't like, what if two of them could come but one wouldn't? I was yes. like, we're either all in or we're all out. Never occurred Mark, to me. What Mark what if Mark <laughs> volunteered to stay with the one who wasn't allowed in and you were allowed in with the other two? At that yeah, point, I would do you go that. In? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Would. You were, yeah. <laughs> good. All right. That's what I needed. That's what I needed. Apologies, Mark. Because he's with his dad, he's all right. It's fine. Like they're together. Oh, he's, it's fine. He's, he's not. Uh, there's a comment. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, moving on from that horrible thought. I oh, um, can't wait till they're old enough to listen to this show. What a time capsule that is. What a time capsule this episode is for your grown-up kids. So which one is the one staying behind with Mark, Mum? It's so awful. Because you, can, you probably can't hear I can hear them upstairs being so cute and so nice. And if they ever do listen to this when they're old enough to understand it, they'll be like, I'll be like, oh, you can hear yourself. You were like on the radio sort of thing. And it's me going, well, if Mark was with one of them, then I guess that'd be all right. I mean... Not my first choice, but it's awful. Awful. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Um, so here we are. This is something that I think is a little bit of an issue with this film. 
John John is back, realizes his family have been excluded, and so not for the first time in this film, loads of people die because of him or nearly die. <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't believe he didn't feel bad about it. He's like, "Let me off, let me off, Alison." And then because of the delay, his plane blows up and loads of people get exploded, and it's all his fault. No, I don't think so. I don't agree. I don't think that delay lasts long enough. And there's no other planes. So. There's no other planes taking off yet. No, I, I don't think it's down to him. I was, okay. I was, I was concentrating. I, I thought that the first time, and focusing the second time. I think I don't think he's responsible. Okay, but you see, I think that's the problem, though. The fact that you thought about it takes you out of the moment because you are it, to eat, like the film has done something wrong at that point. Because if you're even questioning whether it was or wasn't his fault, or there's a dispute here that it might have been, means that there's something wrong. Because I don't you, think you I should, thought it at the time. I think I read it in a review and thought they've got that wrong. And then mm. the second I watched it, I was like, yeah, I was right. Yeah, well, Nettie said uh, he killed everyone, and I said, oh, fair enough. I said, fuck everyone. Like, it's Gerald <laughs> Butler. It doesn't matter as long as he lives. <laughs> uh, so at this point, a post it note saves the day, which I truly believe they will save the day. I love post it notes. If you're, if you're casting around, just get your birthday ideas in very soon. Post it notes. Fucking love a post it. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm literally, I'm, I've got post-its all on my laptop right now from points to raise that we've skipped over in um, in a new section I'm calling at the end of the show, Alex's footnotes, but we'll get to that. <laughs> so we've got like, the, our, we're propelled into the main journey, literal journey of our film, which is Alison's off to her dad's and the family have got to, they've got a rendezvous point, which I actually wanted to ask, do you have a rendezvous point in the case of like a big event like this, where there's no phones, there's no whatever, like, like have you got a pre-agreement with friends and family about where to meet to be safe? Yeah, the the government sanctioned bunker. That, uh, <laughs> you know? oh, Greenland. You, Mine's Greenland. <laughs> uh, I'd no. probably go to, where would we go in the UK? I'd go to the Shetlands. Yeah, but how would you get there? You can't drive because the roads are clogged. So how'd you get there? Drone. I don't, a lot of drones. You, you'd hop on top of a drone. Qu- <laughs> I'm confused by the question. So you've got? Have you got one then, Vicky? I yeah. Don't, I didn't know this was a thing. What's yours? Yeah. Then? Uh, me and my friend Lucy, who I think you've met, we're obsessed with this. Um, her dad owns a little patch of woodland somewhere in North Wales. I will not reveal the location because it's ours. <laughs> so, and you can walk to it down the A6. So we just start walking and then eventually we get to the woods and that's where we're going because it will be safe. <laughs> I, well, why? Not if, sure. No, no, wait. If a comet's going to hit the earth and I've only got two days, I'll be in my garden drinking the cellar dry. No, but yeah, well, if, I've got, yeah. if I've got more time, sprung, I'm going to Wales. The one that sprung to mind for me was I'd, I'd, I'd see if Alex could get my name on the door at the Groucho and meet him there. <laughs> he won't. <laughs> he would. <laughs> they leave you outside. Sorry, I might, Chris, we're actually, full. <laughs> I might. Do you know what? I might. In that circumstance, in that very, very specific circumstance, <laughs> if it was the end of the world, um, <laughs> then yes, I would consider putting you down as my plus one. okay that was good that was fun so then we get a very scary (laughs) pharmacy (laughs) chris you've made everyone really reviewy uh now people are reviewing segments of the show why is vicky now reviewing bits of the show during the show (laughs) um at this point five stars yeah yep um allison and nathan get a ride and at this point, again, script does a good job of like withholding enough information just about 
or just maybe personally for me, I did I didn't see this coming, but I then very coldly realised that these wristbands are going to be a problem. Yeah, um, I, I, you say that, but I think that right from the word go, they've they've cleverly they've somehow made you feel suspicious of everyone in this film. From the from the moment he's in the supermarket and gets the message, and there's the woman's looking at her at him while he's looking at the message, I was just and then and then he gets back to the house and all the neighbours are questioning him. I was on edge, feeling like mm. everyone was a potential villain in this film. So as soon as she got in that car, I, I was just trying to figure out what the angle was that this couple were gonna were gonna what the, what number they were gonna do on them. It's yeah. Uh, yeah, you kind of touched on this at the start, Victoria, which is like this idea that some people, like everyone is either really good or really, really not nice uh, whatsoever. There seems to, see, apart from the people who are just watching it on the rooftop, having a drink and a bit, like, they're great. They're just like chilling. But like the the the, uh, the army officer at the Air Force Base, who's the one who refuses to let Nathan on, um, like she, she makes this point of going, uh Everyone here is a volunteer. Uh, my family weren't selected. All of the armed forces you see here are just volunteering. This, for me, is where the film starts to sort of like become like what it the opposite of what it's purporting to be, which is a kind of realistic comet movie. A kind of this is how it might mm. really be. Do you think? And it's a question, not an opinion. Do you really think that people would volunteer? For the last 48 hours on Earth, they would go, I'm going to go to the Air Force Base and make sure these people who've been selected for a bunker get on the plane rather than spend the last 48 hours of my existence with my loved ones. No, I don't. I don't no. believe that. Not in a million I had a real, years. I had a real problem with this because I was like, well, maybe I'm the f- f- cynic here. And actually, maybe, you know, God-fearing Americans, you know, there's the religious thing out there. Maybe God-fearing Americans would go, if I'm going to heaven, I have to do my duty here and volunteer at this Air Force Base. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I bought it because I was like, I, I don't know. You know, if you signed up for the armed forces, then it's a very serious commitment. And I'm sure that those people in this film, these volunteers, had it drilled into them that, you you know, you, you're saving humanity and it's a very on, it's the most honourable thing you can do. And all of your training and all of your experience is nothing compared to this. Like, this is the thing. And mm. maybe that might get a few people, but you, I think you'd be quite a high turnover as people are like, right, I've done a few hours and now I am going home, actually. Well, exactly, and the the problem is it doesn't it doesn't get any worse. Like that bit of the start with the volunteers at that air force base. Okay, let's take that as red. Then when um, Allison finds Nathan later on at the second air force base, where he's in the tent on his own, and and that doctor comes in and is like, "Hey, how are you doing? He's been a real <laughs> he's been a real champ. Do you want a hug?" And you're <laughs> like, know. "You're like there at this there was forty eight hours before. There's now twenty three hours till the end of the world." And the, it, it, it actually seems even more relaxed at this base. What are you doing here? Why are you here? This doctor is like, yeah, I mean, I don't really like my parents or my kids. So I thought I'd just spend my last hours here hugging strangers. Come yeah. here, champ. It just keeps you on edge, though, like Chris says. Like people are either un- every time someone walks into the scene, you're like, "Are they going to kill, you know, John or Alison or Nathan, or are they going to rescue them?" But there is no shades of. I mean, I have that's unfair. Actually, there's sort of shades of grey in the way that the military woman reverses her decision or appears to, and then is like, "Actually, there's nothing we can do." And, and I people- think I, I think with this couple in the car, I think it's quite clever because initially, Hope Davis, she's initially doing a good deed. She's not planning to do anything bad yeah. and then when the husband starts turning she is she does try and stop him she but does, he yeah, turns on really her good. as well because she's yeah. absolutely te- you, you quickly see that she's absolutely terrified of him yeah it's really and, good scene mm, really good so, so i think you've got the shades of gray there yeah exactly 
He's screaming at her and he's a big man. And the thing mm. is, in any other film, you'd be like, shit, Hope Davis drives off because she can drive off. Like, he's left the keys, I think. But that's her husband. And he's just the way he's yelling at her, You, yeah. it would be like a reflex. Like, you wouldn't be able to help it. You would just do what he says because it's terrifying. Oh, it's I've, really never se- I've never seen him in anything but The American Office, in which he's really good in that because it's, it's weird. I wonder if they saw I watched it. I'm binging it at the moment, but I watched an episode where he finds out that uh, his girlfriend uh, kissed someone else behind his back. This is in a sitcom, and he proper loses his shit. It's the most terrifying scene in The American Office. He's in a bar, and she tells him, and you think he's going to go, don't worry about that. And he hurls a fucking pint glass at the wall, and it shatters. And <gasps> you're like, that's the guy who's going to be in Greenland in the future as a psychopath. <laughs> it's the most chilling scene when you realise that he's called Ralph, I think, is going to stop the car. Um, he tries to reason with them a bit, but he's, basically the plan then is to kick Alison out of the car, steal her wristband and use Nathan as the sort of ruse to get them inside the airbase. And the reason it, it's just, it's very, very, very powerful and really upsetting because it, plays on on purpose i'd say exploits your absolute darkest fears that when push comes to shove you actually can't protect your child in the way that you thought you could and the way you told them you would because this dude is bigger than you and that's the end of that like it's just the most basic human primal thing that if someone is stronger than you they will take your things basically and it doesn't matter what like Yeah, it's true. It's something we don't have to address ever because, you know, you forget that that's really, once society breaks down, that's how it works. But we're also accustomed to society protecting us from ever needing to think those things that when it comes to it, it's just shock, if nothing else. Shock that actually this is happening and I cannot do anything. Can't do anything about it. And that's why it's that's why it's something it's a really hard scene to watch. Because you do like you know, you tell yourself those lies all the time that, well, if this happened, I do because you have to protect yourself mentally from those dark thoughts. But we all know that the, there isn't you what you can't do that. You have to be stronger than that person, physically stronger than that person. And if you're not, that's it. It's just yep. so awful. Oh, so anyway, um, light, light, light. Uh, John's in a van fight. <laughs> <laughs> he near, I wrote down nearly gets a hammer in the head for being Scottish. <laughs> I like that. I thought it was. I like yeah. the fact that they're like, oh, this is my accent, so <laughs> leave me alone, <laughs> kind of thing. Um, again, not technically his fault, but lots of people die because he's there, um, including his friend who told him about Greenland for no reason. <laughs> he's just like i like your face you're a structural engineer you say here is the clue to salvation i don't know i think people i think people would do that i think i honestly do i think when you've got a bit of information you know when you like you find out it happens a lot i i, I don't know whether you guys get this it happens a lot when a, a celebrity dies um and like there's do you have people in your phone who always feel like they want to be the first to tell you that someone famous is dead i always get a text <laughs> from from the same person going oh so-and-so's died like it's almost like and you're like okay cool it's like you want to be the person to pass on this big bit of news and i think it's the same thing going on uh, with this guy he's like he knows something and he kind of wants to go i know something guess what yeah i don't know because space would be at a premium like even just on the and it is we find out later like there's it's going to be a bit of a squeeze so <laughs> you think that he wouldn't want to have any extra people on that plane or in that bunker it's i don't know i don't know it I works also, because uh, Go on. Sorry, go on. Go on, Vicky. No, 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 no. It's fine. I'm just rambling. <laughs> uh, but but Gerard Butler does kill someone uh, by uh, sticking a hammer in their head. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like maybe this is the first time we've ever seen one of his characters actually regret killing someone on screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
like yeah it's just it's just a very different gerard butler uh you feed it up to this point and then when he kills that person and then you see how it affects him it's it's just i really enjoyed what a different approach this was for him um yeah yeah. Well, Mike, Mike Banning, uh, Mike Banning's uh, death of choice is stabbing people in the head. So oh, he's, yeah, he's, headshot, he's, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he loves it. He loves it right in the head. So he sort of uses Mike Banning's um, methodology, but uh, yeah. but then can't can't deal with it afterwards. Poor poor old um, poor old uh, John. Poor old John. So Nathan and Ali are reunited, like you say, with some extraordinary kindness from some volunteers, but. Oh, that seat. That, I mean, really, if it wasn't for the feeling, the ex- feelings that were being exploited by the writers and director, the writer and director in that scene, it's just a woman looking through tents, and it shouldn't be as good as it is. Just going, Nathan, Nathan. Well, but she, she sells it, like, doesn't she? She sells yeah. the shit out of it, and and it's also coming straight after you've seen that psycho asshole get his comeuppance. Um, it's such a satisfying moment when Nathan says, they're not my parents. They oh, took me from amazing. my mum. Because yeah. you're, you're willing him to say something and you're desperate for these these people to get their comeuppance. And when he finally does it, it's so satisfying. Yeah. But do you know how, do you know, that, that is, it's such a powerful moment because I, I think it, it's so fundamentally relatable. The, this idea that he is a child, that is an adult who's told him not to do something, not to admit that they're not his parents. And you can see, he plays it so well, this kid, the kid, like yeah. as he's sort of building up that confidence to disobey a terrifying adult who's holding him in the hope this other strange adult who he doesn't know will rescue him from this situation. And as he builds his confidence to say it, you are just like, it's, oh, it's, a, it's one of the best scenes in the film. Yeah. Oh, it's making me sad thinking about it, that poor child. Oh, um, so, right. So now we're on like a bit of the like the last stretch. So they're going to have one last push to try to get to Greenland. So they go and see Grandad, um, but Grandad isn't coming because his wife passed away a few years ago. He's right where he wants to be kind of thing. And I did get that. Like, I, I felt a bit annoyed with John at this point that... You, you're. It's such a long shot that you're going to get in. You're wasting your last hours on Earth on a road trip, <laughs> on a stressful road trip that might not pay off. And I would be with Grandad. I'd be like, we gave it a shot. It isn't going to happen. Let's just enjoy what we've got left. I wouldn't waste my time getting stuck yeah. in traffic. But that's movie logic, isn't it? That's. I mean, we need. You know. I mean, the yeah. Lo- yeah I, I get. I get that. I think the problem is that even within the logic of the movie, that we need him to go and try and get into Greenland. It's just a bit sloppy. This bit where he yeah. he literally says to his wife, he's like, "If we're gonna go do this, we gotta, gotta go now." Go now. <laughs> By which I mean, I'm gonna go have a man to man with your granddad in the barn. Uh, just talk some shit through. So uh, I'll see you in about ten. It's yeah, like, and why- also then hide under a bridge for a few hours, but still think they're on track. What, what, the times, what, what, the timings don't meet like match. What do you think about the fact? I, I couldn't believe this bit. So, that like Alison uh, had her child stolen from her, and and Gerald Butler lost both his wife and his child for huge portions of this <laughs> film. They have just been reunited with him, and yet when that little bit of comet hits and they're at Dad's house, they're both in the barn with Granddad, <laughs> and when the comet hits, like. Fucking hell, we better go see if Nathan's... You've left your kid alone again, again, literally after just getting him back. You fucking terrible parents. Terrible. Yeah, Yeah, it's a bit cocky, isn't it? It's a good point. (laughs) Um, Another thing I enjoyed about these scenes is, is this is the second time in a week after Paul Hogan 
we've looked at a man who's n- purely made of wire and leather. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Scott Glenn looks incredible. Mm. He yeah. does. Yeah. Yeah, he's a good granddad. Um, a little bit of sort of relationship stuff. They're in the car. Alison tells John that John shagging someone else was basically her fault, which is super handy. Um, Unbelievable. I know. I was really angry about that. She's I like, thought yeah, you might be. I was, yeah, it was really bad. <laughs> I mean, I know it's never as black and white as all that, and I'm not saying, but she she just still, we've not seen her be overtly angry. She's been simmering about it. She's a bit passive aggressive with the wine and all of that. But she get, she should have her moment where she was like, I know we were having problems, but I didn't think you were going to do that rather than being like, I pushed you into that or <laughs> whatever she says. Um and then he gets yeah, to be the big man yeah, to say it's not yeah, your fault. Yeah, because like the minute he sort of senses her softening is when he finally got. Oh, so you're about to forgive me? Now's the time I'm going to take responsibility for my actions. Now that you're already on the forgiveness train, he's like, oh yeah, no, I, <laughs> yeah. I crossed, I crossed the line. You know, I walked, I crossed the line, walked through a door, got under a duvet. I shouldn't have. <laughs> it's like, Oh, <laughs> that doesn't make it sound like fun at all. <laughs> I, got, I got under a duvet. I yeah. shouldn't have. Oh dear. Yeah, but you're you're absolutely right. The bit where she's like, um, you you know, you you sleeping with another woman, that was my fault. Uh, I I made you sleep with another woman, ladies and gentlemen. The the last sparks of realism just left Greenland. <laughs> um. There's uh, stuff starts falling from the sky. John, this is the scene is they hide under a bridge because there's a lot of fire falling from the sky. He atones for killing someone because he saves someone that he doesn't have to save, really. And it's very dangerous to save. And that's just to cancel out the fact that he's a murderer, um, which is fine. Probably didn't need that. I I quite like the idea that he's going to live his last few hours on Earth or if he survives the rest of his hours as a murderer because the moral sort of quandary it throws up like you did what you had to do, but now you've got to live with that. Like that. Absolutely, I think you can excise this scene. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, this is, are we talking about the pilot scene? No, no, no God, that no. Let's get oh, on to oh. that. So they go when to he Canada. saves a man from a burning car, Alex. We, we oh, both got yeah, rid of it. Right. It's gone. It's gone. Yeah, yeah. great, gone. great, great. So they go to Canada <laughs> and they find the airport really easily. They find Canada really easily, and then they're they're in Canada for thirty seconds. They're like, oh look, there's the exact airport that we need to go to. That's so handy. <laughs> um, and even though it's actual suicide. Big John, he's like, what do you weigh, son? <laughs> and he lies oh. about his weight. Big mm. John is allowed on, which will basically kill the pilots, which it does, because oh. the plane crashes, and we can only assume that the extra weight of John and his family sort of drives the plane into that cliff face, and then John goes to help them. And if I was that pilot, I'd be like, I told you this would happen. <laughs> he can't you know- speak. His <laughs> guts are out. You know me. Yeah. I'd find I'd find something in the tank to be like, I fucking told you this would happen. <laughs> so two two things. First of all, you're absolutely right. When they arrive at that airport, just to break that scene down where the pilot gets out of the plane and they get out of the truck and they have a conversation, the pilot basically goes, there is no way, no way I can take <laughs> you on this plane. Get on the plane. That's, <laughs> that's that scene. That yeah, is it's, it's an insane scene. And then I just think it's such a cop-out when the pilot dies because the pilot has let Gerald Butler on the plane with his family. Gerald Butler goes into the cockpit and the, the pilot's, like, injured. There, surely, surely you have Gerard Butler having to make the decision to get to the bunker with his family and leave this guy to die there, even though he's not dead. Don't have him die in the scene. Have him like like Gerard Butler trying to help him, but unable to free him. 
and then yeah. having to leave him there to die when the comet hits, even though he saved him and his family. It's just such an easy out for him in that yeah. scene where he goes, he goes, oh, I can't really get you out of the seat. Oh, you're dead. Doesn't matter. Anyway. <laughs> I tried. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, and they're allowed into the shelter. Absolutely no problem. So even though this shelter has probably been quite finely budgeted, I assumed because of the insulin challenge, um, <laughs> And that numbers would be tight and all the rest of it. And, and one extra body, you know, can cause so many complications in terms of the supply chain of food and whatever else. The military don't even, they're not even like, how did you get here? They're like, come in. <laughs> come I, th- in. I feel like here, though, they're not they're not as bothered about the numbers because the planes haven't made it because they've all blown up. On because the, of John. Yeah, John's had the all runway, the planes so, blown up. Yeah. So they're actually desperate to get people into these shelters because they're about <laughs> to close them and they're empty. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, though, if I thought it could just be me and my mates that I were work with and all the other humans hadn't come i'd be like should we just shut the doors it could be just us and then we'll have this huge bunker all to ourselves because look at the wine great oh sorry guys yeah we didn't realize you were coming yeah because it's so late what do you think there's a room of wine next to the room of insulin they'll have a bucket of graham norton's prosecco (laughs) don't drink it it's rough That's so. I just. I'm surprised that Alison wasn't running into the bunker past all the military, going, "My child has diabetes type one. My ch- he's very ill. Can we go in still? Are we allowed? He's sick. Sick as a dog. I tell you." Um, a bit of a traumatic scene, which is very cheesy, but by this point, I'm I've bought it, so it kind of doesn't matter. Where Nathan, the super smart kid. I mean, as soft as I'm about kids, when he says to his mum and dad, my friend told me that before you die, you get flashes. I was like, shut up, Nathan. It's inappropriate for a start. Your parents are concentrating (laughs) on getting you to safety. Just (laughs) fucking play on the iPad and keep your mouth shut, yeah? Mummy and daddy are talking about daddy having sex with someone else, so shut your (laughs) fucking mouth. Yeah, right in front of you, Nathan. Um, But then when he's like, where are the flashes? I had to stop. I was like, stop. Enough! Like this is too much. This is too much for me. Just, just a, a mess, a mess, mess, mess. You're talking about the flashes that you because he does the bit in the car. He's like, you see flashes before you die. Yeah, okay, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And and at the end when they're on the bunk beds and he's dead, he's like, where are the flashes? Yeah, where are that's because your child is saying, I know I'm going to die, and I've been mm. lied to. Where is this mm. thing? Oh mm. my god. That's yep. so dark. That's but then dark. They, they've, they've discussed that he said that he'd rather that you get the flashes when you were living so you could enjoy them. Yeah. And so they all agreed that would be a nice thing. And then the flashes happen when they're down there. Yeah. And so I really would like this film more if it ended there with that ambiguity. Yep. Are they seeing these flashes because they're dying or because they're going to live? They've set yep. it up. Yeah. Just fade to black. Fade to, I was fully expecting it. When it faded up, I was like, you're joking. Anything can happen now because that is what the film has been telling me is going to happen all along. They're going to die. It's not going to work, but they've had a journey. And the point of the film is these three people have come together. Um, their, you know, their wounds have healed and they can die together as a family that love each other. Beautiful, whatever. The end. And instead, this like storm door is rising up. And I was like, to me, at this point, there could literally be aliens on the other side. Like, you passed the test. <laughs> like, it made no sense to me that we would have well, a happy ending. You need some CGI birds to look really fake the final effect in a movie full of effects needs to be some terrible CGI swallows or swifts I think pissing about outside the door (laughs) and also it's been a really self-contained story so to now show us devastation all around the globe you know before we obviously we'd seen some images on the telly on the news Mm. which felt natural Um, but then to to do that now it just felt felt completely unnecessary 
Yeah. Especially, especially because it's the bloody Eiffel Tower again. It's like, pick, I just can't see the Eiffel Tower bent uh, like and disfigured again <laughs> yeah, but Alex, in a disaster if movie. If they'd used Croydon, it wouldn't have looked any different. <laughs> oh, he, he can say that because he's from there. He can I say, can say he's from, from there. there. I'm from there. Yeah, he's from there. <laughs> I'm allowed to. Yeah. I'm allowed yeah. to. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's all I have. I felt, yeah, I agree with you. I, they were like, oh, hey, Moscow calling. It's like, we don't care about Moscow because we, we're not in that story. And I just yeah, didn't, it's yeah, true. I didn't care. Um, uh, and that's it. That's that's yep. all I have. Anything else? Nope. Nah. Nah. Okay, great. Let's do our bits, the bits. What was your best scene, Chris? Easy. Uh, when the couple take the kid. Uh, my jaw was completely on the floor. I couldn't believe what I was watching, and I thought it was just a brilliant movie moment. Mm. Alex, uh, it's kind of specific to me, but there's a bit just before they go in the bunker and they see the full size, the nine mile wide planet killer overhead, sort of like heading for Europe, and it sort of fills the sky. Even though it's over at Greenland at that point, it's still so big because it's such a big asteroid. And it's heading for uh, Europe, and it's going to decimate Europe. And I, as a kid. Growing up in the 80s, I used to read, um, uh, well, I read uh, Raymond Briggs's uh, When the Wind Blows, and it fucked me up. And I, for, 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 for years as a child, I was terrified of seeing a mushroom cloud on the horizon and knowing I had about three seconds before I was incinerated because of the specter of nuclear war and a bomb mm. landing and knowing that you were just going to die having seen this mushroom cloud. And it brought back terrifying memories of that and so that bit with the comet overhead uh it just really freaked me out uh so yeah. that bit My, i'm the same as chris the kidnap and then uh just buttoned by when ali is reunited with nathan who i can't even say this and all she says is sorry and she doesn't even say i'm so glad i found you or anything crap like that she's apologizing to him because she let it happen i mean she feels like she let it happen. She did, in, 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 in that weird way, she will always think that she's responsible for that, even though two people kidnapped her child off her. So, um, so much credit to, to the actress as well for selling yeah. it when the, when, the, when the kid goes, when she's on her own on the, on the highway, and then oh. when she, she's reunited with him. It's absolutely brilliant acting. It's chilling. It is. Um, your most valuable whatever, Alex. Uh, Clark. Uh, we've already talked about Clark very much, the actual uh, interstellar comet. And um, I wondered... Uh, whether uh, Chris Spaulding um, was um, influenced or in- inspired in-, in some way, because they keep going on about this being an interstellar visitor. Uh, do you guys know about um, Omanuma? The uh, no. the the well in 2017, I think, uh, when he was writing this. So I, I don't, I'm not saying he was influenced by this, but the first um, ever interstellar object, an object from outside our solar system, entered our solar system. This kind of cigar-shaped object called Omanuma. And um, what's kind of really interesting about this and why it's being talked about in the press at the moment is um, when it arrived uh, near the sun, um, it moved in a way that no astrophysicist can explain. Wow, um, is that as, true? Yeah, as though it was powered by a sort of... Something a, else. A, something else. <gasps> so there's um, a Harvard professor is sort of at loggerheads with a lot of the astrophysicist community at the moment because they won't acknowledge that there is a real possibility this could be... Um, be something that was engineered, built by an alien <gasps> civilization. Um, he's arguing, he's arguing that um, it's a solar sail uh, that it's not active; it's defunct now, but it's floating through space from an alien civilization, and it's a solar sail that um, 
was powered by the sun as it neared the sun because it moved in a way no natural object should have moved. Um, so it's a solar sail that's like broken off something or that's yeah. been sent. Either a solar sail that's broken off something or it's a solar sail that is on a, a ship of some kind, which is the actual cigar-shaped object itself is a ship so with yeah, a solar I sail just, on it. Just need to write this down. I've just got an idea uh, called Iceland. Um, I'm just going to make a note. <laughs> <laughs> but it's really, it's it's so fascinating, this thing, like... Uh, alone, that uh, if it was just the information that uh, for the first time in history, an object from another solar system entered our solar system, but the fact that it then moved, yeah. you know, in a way that is inexplicable to the the, 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 like, the astrophysicist community is, is insane. Anyway, so that's Omanuma. You should look it up. It's really interesting. But I loved Clark because I don't know whether it's because I'd read about Omanuma, but um, I found the the comet very very spooky. Like the way it was uh, put in the sky in the background of certain shots, just like this sort of like all these little bits, like and the tails and the the, the lights. So I guess my MVW is the um, the effects team responsible for uh, creating um, a really unique way of seeing a comet on film that gave me it was eerie, gave me the heebie-jeebies. Mm, beautiful, uh, Chris. Um, I mentioned this on Monday, but I'll say it again. I'm a, I'm a big Gerard Butler fan. I think he's a real swashbuckler. Um, terrific, <laughs> oh, terrific, give it a rest. terrific actor. But what I, what I was going to say is, is maybe we've been wrong about Gerard Butler this whole time. Maybe he isn't the tough guy Hollywood wants him to be. Maybe the best Butler is an exposed, vulnerable Butler because he really felt like a character I cared about and wanted to succeed in this film. And it was a very different to the one we're usually we're used to seeing. So I'm going to give it to him. I think he really delivers in this movie. Wow. You should have a look at the, um, the alternate ending is on, on YouTube where he, he punches the asteroid back into space. <laughs> <laughs> it was his, it was his, cho- it was the one he wanted, but they wouldn't go for it. <laughs> nearly, nearly spot one of my changes there, but we'll get to that. <laughs> um, mine is the writer, Chris Spiling. Just because the script really surprised me. And again, because my expectations had been set perfectly tuned, it seemed, for to have the best possible experience with this film. But I was ready for it not to be as as smart as it was with, with certain just manoeuvres. So it, the insulin thing is a really good example of that because John and Ali are like, shit, we haven't got the insulin. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's a military facility. They're going to have tons of insulin. They're not going to let someone go into shock because they haven't got any insulin. Go and ask for some insulin. So she basically does, and they're like, get out. And I love that because it shuts me up, which is always a treat. Um, and I think basically I don't think Act 3 is great. I, I don't like the ending. But a lot of work in the first two acts meant that I just bought it, all of it, in Act 3 because the work had been done by that point, by the writing. In, so in terms mine. of his script, though, Vicky, um, I feel like that uh, if it's, it's 53 minutes in, we find out that Greenland is the destination. Yeah. And it feels like that's like a, a, a twist or like a, an important piece of information. Was the, ti- was the film not called Greenland before? Because this doesn't feel like important information when that's the title of the movie. That's a really good point. I don't know. I feel like I read that it wasn't, but I can't remember. Mm. It just felt like the title was a spoiler for something that they, they kind of keep from you for half the film. And also, isn't that satisfying? You're just like, oh, green. Oh, okay. <laughs> it could be that. anywhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is a good point. Um, what would you change, Chris? Um, 
Well, Gerard Butler should definitely kick a family blocking his way out of the shelter in slow motion while shouting, <laughs> this is Greenland. That's, that, goes, that goes without saying, doesn't it? Um, and do, I it also... do, do it, do it, do it properly. Do it, do it properly. <laughs> we, we once, when he, when he visited me in my office when I worked at IGN, we got him, which is embarrassing to ask him to do This Is Sparta, but he absolutely went for it. We recorded him and, and put it online and it went, God, it, I think it went to number one on Reddit, him, him shouting in that in our <laughs> office so <laughs> i'm not gonna do it that's him that's his thing you could do it, alex no i'm not doing no no i did that on last week's show, yeah, you did so the clue. No. Yeah. um yeah. i also think it's weird that they don't um carry out their dead diabetic son at the end because they definitely Jesus. didn't have a year supply of insulin in that <laughs> right. oh my god that's such a good point nine months oh it was god. nine months they were in there and they did not have nine months worth Oh my god, that's so! Oh He's no, gone. that's He's dead. This Nathan's whole film. dead. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> because the whole thing, my thing is like, oh, it's a budget. Budget. They haven't got the money for a medicine that they consider to be, you know, in a cold way unnecessary. So there's no insulin. Nathan's dead. Oh my dead. god. Sorry. Oh man. Oh, that's rough. Okay, good. Alex. Um, Chris. Uh, Chris took mine earlier, so uh, sort of silently seething. But it, it's it's exactly as you both said. It's it's the bit where it should end on the flashes with yeah. the ambiguity of of whether they die um, or not, and like it's just it would be so clever as well because you'd have had the kid going, "It happens before you die," and then then reversing it to "It happens when you um." When you're still alive, so you're like, mm. oh, did they, they set it up? You've actually set this up. It's I think, nuts. I think that was the ending. I honestly do. And whether they were able yeah. to test screenings during lockdown, I'm sure they were able to show it to people. I feel like people say, no, we needed, we need some, we need more. Something I, I reckon like, they had two endings yeah. shot. I really do. I feel like that as well. Um, my change is either give Ali more than one child to look after. It's always one child in films, and I totally get that, but the reality of trying to save yourself and save your family whilst breaking up fights between children is something I would like to see because you don't see that very often. But my real change is when they arrive in Greenland, they they seem to think it's going to be a piece of piss to get in the shelter, but they shouldn't, and they should be very grizzled by what they've gone through. They should have seen the worst of people, like building up, but just the worst of people. No one has helped them. And they're so jaded by what they've gone through that as the audience, you think, well, even if you survive, you are damaged forever, and the last humans will be scared people in a broken, fractured society. So what is the point? And then they get there, and basically it is as it is, and the military is really helpful and lovely, showing that when things get really tough, our instinct actually at the very last minute is to help each other, but that comes as a surprise to the audience. So it would feel redemptive, it would feel hopeful to build to like the slingshot of that niceness at the last minute. Um, it's random otherwise. People are nice and horrible in sort of random patterns, which is more realistic. But by the time you get to Greenland, it's less. it packs less of a punch that the military let them in because you don't really know what's going to happen. Get it? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'll go. It. I'll get it. Very good. <laughs> I get it, but I do. I do think that should become a catchphrase after you make a change. You should always go. Get it? Do you get it? <laughs> Did you understand what I just said? <laughs> it's just because you always got so quiet, and that's not even because we can't see each other. When we can see each other, you just always look a bit embarrassed by me. <laughs> oh, it feel, yeah, sorry. I feel very insecure today. Sorry. Get it? Yeah. Right. Uh, that is us done with Greenland then. Um, uh, all right. Oh, well, uh, it is time now. Geostorm versus Greenland for the verdict. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! Right. Alex, you've, uh, you've made people wait four days for this, your Geostorm theory. So 
Are you going to kick this off today? Yeah, I think I will. I think I'll, I think I'll kick it off today. Uh, thank you, Chris. Uh, so here's here's my thinking. I actually think a vote for Greenland today would be a mistake. Uh, I think it would be a backward step in terms of which film you pick. Because I personally think we've all seen the kind of film that Greenland is a million times, and it is literally steeped in conservative ideals and tired movie tropes. <laughs> a man with a wife and family and a sparky but sickly child, the parents having problems because specifically of the man's infidelity, but those problems paling in comparison to the bigger problem, the wife standing by him and certainly having not done any infidelity herself, and then eventually forgiving the man because he can look after his family and taking some of the blame for his infidelity herself. Uh, the man earning forgiveness from the wife's father through a man-to-man chat in a fucking barn surrounded by tools <laughs> like men. It's well-made technically, but that's it. Next to Greenland, Geostorm is positively subversive. Central <laughs> romance is between two estranged brothers, not a man and wife, and not even the man and his kid and his estranged wife. The only other relationship is between a Weasley office guy with a terrible haircut and his kick-ass, hard-as-nails girlfriend. He's the one flapping about at the end, terrified as she spins a car 180 degrees and blows the shit out of some bad guys. And you've got Andy Garcia as the first Cuban-American president of the USA ever in cinema. Uh, Greenland is also a movie unconcerned with the rest of the world, Uh, you know, other other than obliterating Europe at the end. Uh, It's isolationism in a movie form. Geostorm actually crams in an anti-isolationist message uh, into the script. Um, So, yeah, Geostorm technically might be a badly made film, but below the surface, (laughs) it is the more groundbreaking forward-thinking, politically sound of the two, and its heart is in a much better place. Greenland would have you believe it's realistic, but the way a lot of people behave in the last days of planet Earth is simple fantasy. At least Geostorm wears its ridiculousness on its sleeve. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm voting for Geostorm. You're not, no, I thought, you know, you, you, I thought that, that's it. <laughs> Alex, take a bow. What an effort. Honestly, what oh, an yeah, effort. I, uh, Highgate's local I'm, I'm, MP will be shitting I'm, themselves, whoever that is. I'm you, very much, to, you very much <laughs> picked and chosen your facts uh, from these two storylines, I think, here, to fit a narrative. <laughs> Those, the facts are the facts, though. First Cuban-American president ever in the history of cinema. Andy Garcia, incredible, incredible scenes. Uh, <laughs> I, I just, you know, it is, it's like, it's like oh, Greenland. It's, it's, it's a Republican's wet dream. <laughs> I appreciate I applaud the effort I really do I think that's amazing I'm not gonna lie it took a lot but I'll be damned <laughs> if we're just gonna if we're just gonna bash Geostorm without at least accepting there are some things that are a little more forward thinking in that bloody movie than so, in Greenland so Greenland's one two one <laughs> yeah. I knew that was gonna happen yeah <laughs> cool 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 <laughs> Do you want to? Do you want to give your reasons, Vicky? I, I didn't even some. write anything. I didn't even write. I didn't write no, a no word. Need. You'd What's have to have books in your head to pick Geostorm. That's why. <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> 
It's one of the worst things I've ever seen in my entire life, and I'm glad I've seen it because it, it's good to it's good to have seen it and to be able to talk about it. But when I was watching it, I was like driving my fists into my eyes, like I hate this. Apart from when Abby Cornish drives that car in reverse, which is wicked. Well, That's it. and 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 doesn't and doesn't at any point uh, blame herself for her husband's infidelity. Uh, you're you're <laughs> voting for the movie that does that, so okay, interesting, interesting, I, Victoria. I, I, I'm going to try and actually take this seriously, but uh, so when I'm doing this verdict, this reminds me of when we did the giant asteroid movies because i think i think it's fundamentally the same difference here with geostorm like armageddon i'm never emotionally invested and so i really don't care about characters living or dying whereas with greenland like deep impact i care about these characters and their plight and that makes all the difference and that combined with the fact that geostorm is shit is why i'm going for greenland (laughs) Fucking hell. Geostorm, you don't even realise what you're talking about. Geostorm is so meta. Like, Geostorm is about a geostorm. Loads of little storms. You never see a geostorm in it. They all combine. (laughs) But the theory behind a geostorm is little, little storms that all combine into one giant fucking disaster of a storm. Which we never see. They never even show it. Okay, but think about this. Geostorm the movie is a, a selection of disasters in every different separate department of the film. Wardrobe, <laughs> casting, like lighting, directing, editing. And it's all come together to make one fucking disaster of a movie. How yeah. meta is Geostorm? It's uh, incredible. Gerard, Gerard Butler's good in it. Um, all right. That's it. We're done. We're done. Yeah. He looks good on a spaceship, but he'd look better just on a... Ship? Or a ship. <laughs> or a ship with a big beard. <laughs> and a wooden leg. Oh, You've got to hope he doesn't actually ever get cast in it, Chris, hypothetically. Because if, if he does, he goes, hey, I might just find out a bit about this uh, Chris Tilly who's, who's really... I did a podcast on Geostorm. Oh, let me have a wee listen to it. Oh, my fuck. Get me out of this fucking contract. I think you'll find I've been very positive. <laughs> Gerald Butler's performances across three hours worth of podcasting this week <laughs> uh, right uh, so that was a win for Geostorm let's uh, move on um, what is uh, the clue um, for next week whose choices are they by the way it's Chris's Chris's what are you, what are you giving us uh, you've given us a clue uh, what was it yeah, it took me two days to come up with it can you not remember it yeah yeah I, thought... I can it was uh, Dancing in the Moonlight no it was <laughs> okay. Blame It on the Boogie uh, three words. Good. So, uh, Alex. Five, five words. Five words. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alex, on Monday, you'll be kicking off your Sunday shoes to do 1984's <laughs> Footloose. Amazing. Which is currently playing on Sky. And Vicky, you'll be having the time of your life on Thursday, thanks to <laughs> 1987's Dirty Dancing. Yeah. Which hits Netflix sometime in March. In the UK, they just didn't tell me the date when I DM'd them because everyone always ignores me. Uh, <laughs> but both of these films are also available to rent on Amazon as well. What you want to do is you want to start playing Amazon and uh, Netflix off each other in these emails because, uh, I mean, Amazon <laughs> wouldn't give you a, 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 a... Unbelievably, Amazon wouldn't give you an advanced copy of Coming to America. Uh, and now Netflix... Which I'm, I'm, not hearing isn't that, I'm now hearing it isn't day. that bad. I'm now hearing it isn't that bad. So I was killing myself laughing the other day, remembering you being like, so I asked them and they wouldn't give it to me, the amateurs. <laughs> it was just creasing me up, just that yeah. you would have been so outraged and be like, that is on you. <laughs> And you're hearing uh, it's not that bad. Is it, bit, is it out yet? I thought, is it out already? It will have come no, out I mean, by the time this goes live, out. this podcast, yeah. Okay, okay, interesting. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, 
uh, I'm just sort of now I'm flashing back to the episode and going, but did we probably, if we stitched ourselves up by going, it's not, I think I did. I think I said I saw the trailer and I didn't think it looked good. Oh, it's interesting that it's good. I'm very pleased for it. Right, that's us done for this week. If you haven't already, please subscribe to us at Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please do follow us uh, on Twitter at ClashPod, on Instagram at ClashPod. Um, we are back next week doing uh, dancing films. Yes, uh, I'll be here <laughs> on Monday talking about Footloose. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited. Bye bye until Monday. Bye bye. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the ACAST Creative Network. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. <laughs> <laughs> 